Welcome to Legacy Battle. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and make sure that you join the Facebook group. Um, that's where you can win those trivia question prizes if you're a member of the Facebook group. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle, here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams, and of course, we're happy to have Brad Ebert back. We're joined by a special guest tonight. He was the ninth pick overall in the 1990 NFL Draft. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. He's a member of the 1990s All-Decade Team for the NFL. He's a member of the Miami Dolphins Honor Roll. And he's a two-time first team and two-time second team All-Pro. Ladies and gentlemen, Richmond Webb. Hey, guys. How y'all doing tonight? <laughs> good, good. We're Happy to have you here. Yes, thank you. You know, having, having the Dolphins, that's pretty close to our hometown up here. Uh, you know, all of us based out of Tampa. Okay. So that's, so that's good. Um, tonight's debate uh, is going to be the greatest single season of NFL offense. And uh, as always, afterwards, we'll have a Q&A with, with Richmond about his career and, and uh, see what he has, to, some stories to tell us about some of those days with Dan Marino, I'm sure. So... <laughs> We're going to jump in tonight, starting with the 2007 New England Patriots. All right. So it almost goes – I always have to say this. almost goes against my religion to uh, really pump up a Boston team. But, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I can't deny this team or what they're about. Um, we're talking about basically could be argued the GOAT, the greatest quarterback to ever play, arguably. Um you know, with Tom Brady on the team, this was pretty much right as his career started to hit its prime uh, with Belichick as the coach. And uh, you just look at some of the some of the figures from that year um, that they set. A couple were broken later on. But, I mean, you look at they scored 589 points um, in a season, which set the NFL record at the time. They just blew by people. They ended up scoring something like eight straight games where they scored 34 more points to start the season, which is just kind of crazy. Um, but after that point, you know, Brady, he set the NFL record at the time for the season with 50 touchdown passes. He had just a little over 4,800 yards uh, passing. And then uh, something that makes this interesting about this team is you look at their running backs and their running backs weren't any names that are going to, just blow off the page necessarily with Lawrence Maroney and they had Sammy Morris. I get, these were guys who were capable and could do the job, but nothing that kind of jumped off the page like some of the other offenses we might talk about tonight. Um, but then you look at his wide receivers. I mean, again, you're going to argue Randy Moss, I would say one of the top five wide receivers of all time. And that year he set the NFL record, which I think still stands at 23 touchdown catches that year, uh, which is just, unbelievable when it comes to uh, that day and age of the, the NFL too, whereas now it's all 
run and gun, you know, or all throw, throw down field as much as we can. Um, and then Wes Welker, Wes Welker led the league in catches that year at 112 catches, just that slot receiver that we know Brady loves to use um, on his team. Um, and to touch on the coach, we all know Belichick, third most winning, uh, winningest coach of all time. Most Super Bowls ever won by a head coach. You, you can't really argue with his production and what he does with his teams. Um, so, again, that season, not only was their offense amazing, they had a pretty decent defense, not the greatest, but it got them through. Uh, but it got them through to a 16-0 and season, uh, got to the playoffs, uh, didn't struggle too much in the, the, the first two rounds. And then, of course, uh, probably one of the famous catches of all time ends up taking the Patriots down in the Super Bowl, Eli Manning to uh, – I can't remember the wide receiver, but the helmet catch. David Tyree. There Tyree. we go. Yeah, that's right. It was Tyree. That's right. I couldn't remember the name. But, yeah, the helmet catch and takes down the giant that year. Um, funny enough, too, I read a stat that said, like, the uh, four teams that have ever gone, like, undefeated in a season, three of them have lost the Super Bowl or not made it to the Super Bowl, which is kind of interesting, almost like a curse that you talk about in other sports. Um, but, again, they, they scored 30-plus points and all but like four games that year. Uh, it's just really hard to argue with that type of production as far as could they be one of the greatest offenses of all time. And then you add in the, the players that they had, the coach. And in, in, again, in my view, they can easily be argued to be one of the top, if not the top. And anybody wants to chime in and debate a little? Well, they had a very underrated tight end too, uh, Ben Watson. I mean, that guy made key catches. I mean, he wasn't Gronk or I guess the name that should never be mentioned, Aaron Hernandez, as far as, you know, the yardage he's going to put up. But he was that guy on third down. If, if, if Welker wasn't open, like Ben Watson's name was coming up big, making a, a big catch, you know, um, very underrated tight end. But so Richmond, this is a, Obviously, it was a great team. Like Brett said, they went 16-0. and Not only just offensively, but is Brady-Tomas maybe the greatest single-season combination duo in, in history? That would be um, in a single season. Uh, if you took a single season, you probably could make that argument. I, I can remember, um, uh, and it's going back a little bit, but Montana and Rice – Probably had some years. Uh, Steve Young, Rice, probably had some years. And um, I think, I know Duper and Clayton was with, I, I can't remember who had the most touchdowns, but I think that was around 83. He threw for over almost 5,000 yards or something. Um, but that was, I remember that season and Randy Moss, and it, it was some deep passes consistently, seemed like. Everything was going deep, and they were connecting, and they really had chemistry going. So, um, without question, that was in a single season. You, it would be hard. You'd have a very good argument. I mean, it's you could compare some, but that's definitely one of the top duos as far as quarterback receiver combination. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with you on that. Brian, no thousand yard rusher on that team. Is that uh, does that hurt them a little bit as far as being the greatest of all time? Well, you know, they, they didn't need it. I mean, the way that they were 
going down the field, the way that there were so many options um, for Brady. Uh, one thing that's kind of understated about that, when you look at Brady's career path before that season, um, you know, yeah, he had the three Super Bowl wins, but pe people, you know, were sort of a little bit throwing shade at Brady at that time, saying that, you know, he, you know, the defenses carried him to the Super Bowl. But that year, it was all him and that offense. And he's, he definitely threw away that, you know, in, any shade that anybody had at that point. We're, we're talking about the greatest of all time. It's, uh, it's, it's Tom Brady. They call him the GOAT, you know. Yeah. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough team to beat tonight. Just to um, quickly add on, just real quick to add on to that, yeah. that was the same thing being said about Moss, Randy Moss. You know, a lot of people said that he didn't have the, the speed anymore, the jump, and they kind of wrote him off as, ah, he's just going to finish his career in New England, and look what happened. So, Yeah, I, I think that was another guy that uh, on our last show I talked about Marcus Allen and what Al Davis kind of kind of did to him, and I think that kind of – rubbed off on Randy Moss a little bit too when he was out there in Oakland. I, I'm not sure how well him and Al Davis got along. But so let's move to uh, our next team. It's going to be the 2000 Rams. And uh, that's going to be represented by myself. So, so this was the second year of what was called the, the greatest show on turf. Uh, I know Kevin over there is probably going to claim that the 99 team was better. But uh, statistically speaking, the 2000 team was better. Um, they led the league with 540 points. They were averaging 33.7 points a game. And they scored 35 points or more nine times uh, that season. And only three teams in history had, had done that before up to that point. So, you know, looking at that team offensively, you got to start with the MVP of the NFL that year, Marshall Falk. Uh, Hall of Famer, obviously. Uh, he ran for over 200 yards two times that year at 1,359 yards overall. Plus, he caught for another 830 yards. So we're talking over 2,000 yards combined. And he scored a league high, league high 26 touchdowns. That is an insane number of touchdowns for one player. And he won 18 NFL awards that, that season for – for his play. Obviously the biggest one being the NFL MVP, but he won several others. Um, so the Rams, they led the league in 14 offensive categories that season, and they set NFL records for passing yards and combined net yards gained. So quite an offense. And, and that passing game came from actually two guys that year because Kurt Warner was hurt for a little bit uh, during that season. Um, so you had Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, and his backup, Trent Green, who was a very – serviceable quarterback uh, to be backing them up. And uh, they both had won two uh, weekly honors each during the season. Combined, they led the league with 37 touchdown passes and 5,492 yards passing. So that, that's, a, that's a heck of a year. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going all the way back to 2000 where the pass interference rules, you know, not like they are today. And there was a little more – bumping loud back in the day. So it was even harder to, to, to get that done. And you go over to wide receivers, you got Torrey Holt. He had a career year with six, over 1,600 yards. Isaac Bruce had over 1,400 yards. And then there are three, four guys. You got Ricky Proel and um, uh, Azahir Hakeem. They chipped in over 1,100 yards combined and eight touchdowns. So just four very good wide receivers. And Hakeem, I mean, he's 
he, he went to the Pro Bowl for special teams that year, kick return, punt return guy. Um, you know, you look at the Hall of Famers on his team. You got Warner, Falk, Bruce, Orlando Pace. I'm sure Richmond down there, you know, might have something to say about Orlando. And, you know, Holt, Torrey Holt's going to – I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's on the Hall of Fame ballot. Um, you know, I don't think he was a finalist this year coming up, but I do believe he will get in one day. Sometimes it takes a while to get in. And, um, you know, Orlando Pace, this guy is considered one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. Uh, it's, it's hard to not mention him. You know, linemen don't get all the cred that uh, the quarterback's going to get or the wide receiver's going to get. But without these guys, without guys like Richmond Webb, Orlando Pace, your quarterback is dead. You know, you go online, you Google Richmond Webb, you're going to find 10 different things of Dan Marino saying, this guy was my bodyguard. So that's how important an offensive lineman is. And um, the Rams that year had three linemen that were not penalized the entire season for holding. So that, that is a pretty impressive stat all in itself. Um, so, yeah, just a great offense. Uh, Richmond, Orlando Pace, what, what, what can you tell us about him? Uh, you know, that guy there solidified that position for him. I can remember even before he came in the league and he was at Ohio State, just a great player and uh, <clears throat> one of the best to ever do it, left tackle. So you, you always look at the guys that – you know, play your position and are considered one of the top guys at position. But came in a few years after me, but uh, always admired the way he he put it down on Sundays. You know, uh, like you said, he's one of the best. And when you got, you know, Kurt Warner or even Trent Green, you know, he had got injured and stuff. But when you got a quarterback, you know, like Kurt Warner that's putting up the numbers and, and spreading the football and as much as they threw the football, um, it's amazing. Like you said, three linemen don't have any penalties. That's that's amazing because I remember they aired it out. But they looked like they had fun. I believe the first year Mike Morris might have been the uh, offense coordinator. He took over as the head coach. But um, just a great group of guys that went out, had fun, and was, you know, excelled at so many positions that you couldn't just say, well, we're going to take this guy to game and we got a chance to win. They had multiple weapons, and and I think that's why they earned the nickname, the greatest show on turf. Right on. Kevin, uh, is Marshall Falk the best running back that we're talking about tonight out of all these offenses, of the four offenses we're going to debate? Is he the best running back, you think? Out of all the teams that we're talking about, I would have to say yes. I mean, he's put up monster numbers multiple seasons and if I'm not mistaken even that season 2000 he had I think it was two games over 200 yards um by far he's definitely one of the, one of the best running backs to play the game um so yeah I would agree to say yes he is the best out of the teams that we're talking about today okay Brian Brian or Brett um either one of these guys can take this one the turnovers there were quite a few interceptions from from Kurt Warner is that kind of maybe tank them a little bit for greatest offense of all time? I mean, uh, you know, personally, I think I think so, yeah, because, um, you know, actually, if you look at the all-time leaders in fumbles, Kurt Warner is is up there near the top, uh, you know, of anybody ever. And so, you know, that was one of the Achilles heels of this team. And then if you look at what happened to them in the playoffs, that was ultimately their undoing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no doubt. Richmond, um, I'm sure you're probably a little familiar with Kurt Warner's story, you know, coming, uh, he's bagging groceries and then he's in the NFL. Uh, that's quite a story. Uh, where, did you play with any players that had, you know, just basically came off the street and were just incredible once they got there? Oh, I played with some, some, some guys that were probably free agents. I remember, I want to say it was a running back that, that uh, kind of worked in a warehouse or something at, um, he was with the Detroit Lions. But if I'm not mistaken, I think Bernie Parmley, he played at Ball State, but maybe in between he worked for UPS or something and, and got an opportunity to come to the Dolphins and was a great special teams player. And um, we had some injuries at running back and he came in and I think for the rest of the season, he rushed for, I want to say at least about 800 yards, and it wasn't a complete season, but he did that and played on all the special teams and all that. So um, you always, you know, are happy for guys like that because they're getting an opportunity to play, you know, a, probably a childhood dream. And, you know, once you've been in the NFL, you know, you know how hard it is. But if you're a journeyman or if you're a guy that's a low-round draft pick or free agency, you almost got to be in the right place at the right time to just get a look or maybe some injuries. Um, another guy you look at, I think Terrell Davis, you know, he's a Hall of Fame running back, but when he came in, he was playing special teams and then two or three guys ahead of him got hurt. And next thing you know, he rushes for 2,000 yards back to back. So a lot of time it's just getting that opportunity to showcase what you can do. So you always hats off to guys like Kurt Warner and stuff like that. So those, those stories are great for the NFL. And that just shows the commitment that the the players have that aren't in the league but want to get back in it, that they're staying in shape and they're ready to go, you know. So that's that shows the commitment and, and the heart that some of these guys have. So let's move to our next offense. It's going to be the 1994 San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, so the 49ers uh, led by MVP quarterback Steve Young. And arguably the best wide receiver in the history of the league, Jerry Rice. Uh, 49ers There's no went, argument. There's no argument. <laughs> exactly. The, four, the 49ers went 13-3 and three that season. They ranked sixth in rushing, fourth in passing, second in total offense. Um, you know, they're first in scoring by nearly a touchdown per game. They finished first uh, in the NFC West for their division uh, this season, uh, highlighted by the victory in the Super Bowl. Uh, number 29, uh, which uh, aside from, I believe, the, the Dolphins that we're discussing was is the only team that won the Super Bowl out of the teams that we're discussing because your Rams didn't and the Broncos didn't that we're going to be discussing. Uh, they destroyed the Bears um, in their division playoff game that year. Then they beat the Cowboys, who they lost to the last two seasons previously um, in the conference championship, which a lot of people actually dubbed that the Super Bowl of that year. Because AFC was actually kind of known to be a little bit weaker. So that's that Cowboys-Niners game, they always dubbed that pretty much the Super Bowl. Um, but after they took out the Cowboys, um, you know, they went on to beat the Chargers in the, in the Super Bowl, and they beat them pretty bad. Um, you know, prior to that season starting, they had made some acquisitions. They picked up Dion, Neon Sanders, uh, and Ken Norton, uh, both from the Cowboys. Sanders was a major impact immediately. Got, you know, I know we're talking about offenses, though, but that definitely helps when you have defense on your side. Steve Young had his best NFL season. He won his second MVP award. 
Um, and at that time, he set an NFL record for the highest passer rating in a season, 112.8. Now, they had a slow start to the season at one point. Steve Young was actually benched for their backup, uh, Elvis Gerback. Um, and then abruptly uh, in the third quarter, he uh, started flipping out, started cussing on the sideline, shouting profanities at the head coach. And that actually kind of lit a fire under them. Um, and then his, his teammates actually got behind him more, um, and it showed how much he actually really wanted to win. Um, they had 10 pro bowlers um, from that team. Uh, they led the NFL with 66 touchdowns. They scored 505 points, which also led the NFL. Uh, Jerry Rice uh, led in receiving yards. He also led in receptions. He also passed the famous Jim Brown's all-time touchdown record. Uh, the first week of that season, uh, he actually scored three touchdowns against the Raiders to pass Jim Brown for the most touchdowns. Um, Steve Young led uh, with 35 touchdown passes. Again, his passer rating was 112.8. He also got NFL MVP. He got the Super Bowl MVP that year. Um, and he threw for six touchdowns in the Super Bowl, uh, which was a record for a Super Bowl game. This offense, the, the run game was a little bit weak, kind of like um, Brett's team that we had talked about. Um, but <laughs> Young and Rice, like, the, the backup, the number two, number three receiver, number four, they weren't really that good. I mean, John Taylor was a two Super Bowl champion, uh, and he was on that team. But Rice and Young, man, there was no stopping them by, by far. And they won the dance, and your guys, some of your other teams did not. So they finished what your teams could not. Can't argue with Jerry Rice, that's for sure. Um, Kevin, you, you brought up that running game. They didn't even average four yards per rush that season. You mentioned Brett's Patriots not being that good at rushing, but they did average over four yards. So, you know, that's that's kind of the, the number you're looking for. Richmond, I mean, do you know anything about that offensive line? Was it just not a good run-blocking team? Or, or, or you know, what are your thoughts on the, the 49ers? Well, you know, back then, um, from what I remember, um, was Ricky Waters there? He was, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember, and, and, and even Ricky was a good running back, you know, for them, the, the Eagles. But um, he was such a, a great guy that caught the, the, the ball out of the backfield that, um, you know, they throw the little toss passes and, you know, some four or five yards he could turn into 15 and 20. And um, you, like you said, we all know about, about Jerry Rice. I seen Kevin's face just light up when, you know, he was talking <laughs> about him. Nobody's going to argue with you on that, Kevin. That, that, no. That guy was that. That's the real deal. And uh, we played them that year, and we they came to Miami and they beat us. So uh, we knew we, they were a very good team. And I have to agree with Kevin. Um, the Super Bowl was just so lopsided, but that NFC Championship game, uh, very physical. Two teams that really didn't like each other, and. That was probably the Super Bowl of that year. And uh, I remember, I think Dallas had a couple of turnovers early and 49ers jumped out on But You know, Dallas was making their way back. And I can remember Deion Sanders and, and Michael Irvin just having physical battles out there on the on the edge. And uh, you got like Charles Haley and uh, Eric Williams just banging. I mean, it was just, that was football. I mean, it, it was it was, it was was tough on our game, but they played the charges, and it just seemed like everything went wrong from the time they kicked off to them. I mean, it was just they took them out of the game so early and uh, never had a chance to get back in it. And uh, uh, 
it might have been something like 55 to 10 or 14. It was, I mean, it was a lopsided score. So um, I, I, I do remember that game. And it was in, it was in Miami. So yeah, they, uh, they were, they, they was a real deal. Brett, was this the season for Steve Young where he, when the season was over, he no longer had to look over his shoulder at the legend of Joe Montana. Was it like officially, hey, Steve Young, he's a great quarterback? I, I believe so. Um, I, just because of the entire season and, of course, his stamp was made, as Kevin said, in the Super Bowl with his six touchdown passes. I don't think he had anything to prove uh, to anyone. Uh, as far as I know, uh, again, I know the shadow that Montana can put out there, but uh, as far as Steve Young goes, he definitely proved himself uh, this year just by his performance. And, and Brian, um, we haven't talked about your team yet, but you got a great kicker, you know, Matt Prater, obviously. And then, uh, you know, Brett over there, he had uh, Goskowski as a kicker. We look at the 49ers. Doug Bryan, he was a pretty good kicker, but that year he's only hitting 75% of his field goals. Is that kind of a, you know, that could have hurt in a close game, right? So, I mean, is that going to take away from that offense? I mean, it, it could have, but it but it didn't just because of how potent it was. Um, you know, I mean, they were – I remember that team just putting teams, like Richmond said, just putting teams away so quickly that – that they, you know, didn't even really know what hit them, and it was so hard to recover. So, yeah, I mean, if there, if there had been more close games, maybe it would have mattered, but, you know, the way it turned out, it really didn't. Okay. All right, let's move to our final team. That's going to be the 2013 Denver Broncos. All right, 2013 Broncos. So the first thing that you, you think about this team is you think about Peyton Manning. And just to backtrack – 2011, Peyton Manning, he has a neck injury. He goes through surgery. Uh, people are talking about him that he's going to retire. Nobody knows what his future holds. Indianapolis gives up on him. Next season, Denver, they sign him. They decide to give him a chance. He comes back. He ends up being comeback player of the year. So then we bring in 2013. And I feel like looking at Peyton Manning's great career, that this season was Peyton's peak. He ended up with the most passing yards in a season ever, 5,477. He ended up with the most touchdown passes in a season ever with 55, which is five more than Tom Brady did. Uh, he ended up with the second best passer rating that season, and he ended up being the NFL MVP. So you look at who was protecting him in the offensive line. First off, Early on in the season, it's only week three, uh, all-pro uh, uh, Ryan Clady, he goes down. And everybody's wondering, is, is this offensive line, is it going to fold? It didn't. Uh, Luis Vaz uh, Vasquez, he stepped up. He ended up being a first-team all-pro. This team ended up leading the NFL with the lowest sack percentage at only 2.7%. And uh, PFF ranked it the third-ranked unit in the entire league. Wide receivers? They ended up with not one, not two, not three, but four wide receivers that had uh, double-digit touchdowns. And Demarius Thomas, he had he had 14, 30 yards, 14 touchdowns. Eric Decker, 12, 88, and 11 touchdowns. Wes Welker, 
778, 10 touchdowns. Julius Thomas, 788, and 12 touchdowns. So these wide, this wide receiver crew and tight end crew was just stacked. Uh, then you had the backs. Um, no Sean Marino. He ended up with over 1,500 yards from scrimmage, and he scored 13 touchdowns. So you put it all together, they ended up setting the record, which is still – it's still the overall record with 606 points scored in a season. That's an average of almost 38 points per game. They ended up on the season with uh, 457 yards per game, 340 passing yards per game, and they had the top red zone offense of – 76.1%, and they had the second-best third-down offense at 46.3%. Peyton Manning, he just came back with a vengeance. He went in there, and he was he was like – the best way to describe him is like an offensive coordinator on the field. This was the year of the, of the Omaha. He was he, – he stood up – you know, he went up there. He's changing plays at the line. He sees a certain defense. He, he passes to this guy. He sees a certain defense. He checks down to a run. Peyton Manning had everything working in this season. Yeah, they ended up they ended up running into a really hot defense in the Super Bowl, but uh, this offense was was probably the most potent ever, in my opinion. Richmond, everybody said going into that season, you know, Peyton Manning coming off that neck surgery that, that he's probably done, his career's over. You know, they're just taking a shot at it. Maybe he still has it. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, what what were your thoughts on? somebody coming back from an injury like that, were you expecting him to be as good as he was? You know, you know, when he first came in the league, uh, I was still uh, with the Dolphins. And I remember we played him early in the year, and I think we picked him off a couple times. But by the time we played him that second time, since we were in the same division, you could really see that he was picking things up and he had picked it up really fast. But um, probably one of the smartest guys that ever played that position, but – he had the talent, and, and the thing with Peyton was um, it was a perfect example. Like you say, he spread the ball around four receivers with double-digit, you know, touchdowns. That's, that's amazing. But, you know, he just knew when to check, when to check to a run, and then what he would do was go to a no huddle and, and speed it up to where you couldn't substitute on defense. And once he got those guys tired, he'd just run right down the field and uh, – and next thing you know, it was six points, but it was like you just really couldn't guess what he was going to do. And he was—he's been u- using that Omaha since he came in. I remember you hear him on the the sound clips from the NFL, Omaha, Omaha. And sometimes he's fake checking, and it looks like he's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's checking out of a play, but it might still be the same play. So he was the master of. Uh, disguise and, you know, show you one thing, you think you got him, and next thing you know, he's going over the top. So um, I think the only thing I thought was he lost a little bit of arm strength, but as far as the mental and the preparation, majority of that season, he, he had an excellent season. Kevin, of all the teams we're talking about tonight, is this the one that has, like, the best foursome of wide receivers? Yeah, uh, I'd have to say that. I know um... – you know, it helps when you have a quarterback that's throwing for over 5,000 yards and 55 touchdowns. But, I mean, they made the, the routes to get open, and Peyton Manning had precision passing. I mean, this was by far Peyton Manning's best season of his career. Um, so to have that type of quarterback is going to elevate any wide receiver, regardless of their talent. But 
yeah, I mean, the wide receivers were definitely top notch uh, that season, and it showed with fifty five touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, Brett, Brian mentioned uh, Wes Welker, who was also on the team you represented. How, how important is it to have? You know, Wes isn't your typical wide receiver, so how how important is it to have a wide receiver that plays like the style that he does? Um, I think it's extremely important, and I would say especially in today's league, which is speed. Um, I mean, uh, real quickly, just touching on that, you know, we look back to the San Francisco 49ers, and I think the league was so much more physical back then. Not that it isn't now, but just the defense is everything. Um, And then you fast forward to now, and I think having a little speed receiver like that that can make quick routes and help your quarterback, like uh, we were talking about with the checkdowns, he, he would get open. He knew whether it was Brady or Manning, he'd get open. They could check down to him, and they'd make that pass. And you look across the leagues of any of the teams right now that are doing well, that are performing at the top, and om- almost all of them have a receiver. I mean, Tyreek Hill could go deep or short just because of the speed, but he's the small receiver. He's got the speed. He can get open, help his quarterback out. And, I, I mean, Wes Welker was one of the best, I think, uh, sometimes a little – underrated or, you know, not as respected, but he did what he was supposed to do in the league. Exactly. All right, we're going to do our trivia question for a prize, and then we'll do our honorable mention, our one-minute honorable mention, and then we'll go for our vote. So trivia question, got to be a member of the Facebook group to win. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group already, make sure you join it. Put your answers in the comments section. In the TV show Coach, Name the college and NFL team that Hayden Fox coached and name the U.S. Music Chart's number one hit song sung by the actress who played his wife. So you get all three of those, we'll get your prize mailed out to you. All right, let's move into our honorable mentions. We'll start with Kevin for your honorable mention. So I went with the 99 Rams, and I know I took some heat when I picked this team, but... They were first uh, in yards per game, averaging over 400 yards per game. Um, first in passing yards per game, 272 that year. Fifth in rushing, 128. First in points per game, almost 33 points per game. You know, a Bleacher Report um, writer actually ranked them as the second best offense of all time, right behind the 2013 uh, Broncos. Um, the 2000 and 2001 Rams, by they had more yardage. But the 99 Rams did something that the 2000 Rams did not. They won a Super Bowl. The other team, the other Rams teams did not. Um, and the 99 Rams was the first greatest show on turf. They were the ones that started that. The Rams were stacked. They had Falk, who went over 1,000 yards rushing and receiving. Um, uh, Isaac Bruce was over 1,000 yards. Um, Holt and the other backup uh, wide receiver, Hakeem, averaged 14 touchdowns. Um, Kurt, Kurt Warner passed for over 4,000 yards, 41 touchdowns. He won league MVP honors. The 99 Rams were a constant barrage. They finished the job. They won the Lombardi Trophy. And, in fact, the three of the main teams that we talked about did not win that trophy. Okay. Brett? All right. So, you like how I tied it in with my last little uh, – that I was talking about with Tyreek. I took the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs, and I will say this confidently right now, that that team, that group of players, will go down by the time they're all done as one of the greatest offenses to play together as a whole over an extended period of time. 
Uh, I mean, you look, Patrick Mahomes that year threw 50 touchdown passes, uh, basically took the NFL by storm. Nobody, nobody could, you know, cover. Nobody could figure out what he was trying to do. He brought a whole new style to the league, and he was young, and he was confident, and nobody could stop him. And then you look at – you have uh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt quietly didn't break a 1,000 yards, but he had – or he broke a 1,000 scrimmage yards, but rushing yards he did not. Um, and he had 14 touchdowns that year, Kareem Hunt. And then, of course, you move to the wide receivers. Tyreek Hill still tearing up the league to this day. And then, of course, what will go down is probably one of the best tight ends to ever play the game, Travis Kelsey. Uh, Travis Kelsey had over a thousand yards that season, uh, double-digit touchdowns, and they just pretty much tore apart. And again, kind of almost out of nowhere because nobody knew really what to expect much from uh, Mahomes. And uh, I'll say it: the, the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs will have a place in history. Brian, go ahead. Uh, well, I got the '83 uh, Skins, and um, they are a team with a lot of nicknames uh you had the fun bunch it was their the nickname for the wide receivers uh art monk charlie brown alvin garrett and don warren they were very good and art monk's in the hall of fame uh then you had the hogs which was a nickname for the offensive line you had joe jacoby russ grimm jeff bostick mark may uh two or three of the four of those guys were uh were pro bowlers then you had the diesel uh john riggins who scored 24 touchdowns that year uh, then you had the NFL MVP, Joe Theismann, uh, behind center. You put it all together, and they set the NFL record at that time for points with 541, uh, which was almost 34 points per game, which that was very significant back in 1983 when, when points weren't scored as much uh, as frequently as they are now. <laughs> Definitely not scored as frequently. So I got the 90, uh, I'm sorry, 1972 Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, that year they averaged 359.7 yards per game. That was tops in the NFL that season. They had two 1,000-yard rushers with Larry Zonka and uh, Mercury Morris. And uh, Jim Glick added 500 more yards. That's a lot of rushing yards <laughs> for one team. Everybody's – a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, they couldn't throw the ball very well. But, you know, uh, Earl Morrell that year was a first-team All-Pro. You know, I know Bob Greasy filled in. Uh, at the end of the season there or whatever, but, um, you know, he, they had a first-team all-pro quarterback. But those three running backs scored 23 touchdowns between the three of them. That's pretty good for that time period. Um, you know, they had wide receiver Paul Warfield. He was a pro bowler. And, you know, this team can say something that no other team that we've talked about tonight can say. They never lost. So undefeated Super Bowl champs. Richmond, you played on some some really good offensive teams. Is there an honorable mention you wanted to kick out? I'll throw one. I, I want to say it's not one of my team's personal bit uh, from what I remember. It was the Minnesota Vikings, and I think it was around, I want to say, 96 or 97. But uh, Chris Carter, uh, Jake Reed, Randy Moss, and I believe Randall Cunningham was the quarterback. Right, yeah. yeah, I think it was 98. It was 98, yeah. They went like 15 and one and lost to Atlanta. Um, I'm pretty sure they had almost three 1,000-yard receivers. I know Moss and Carter had it, but uh, I just remember the impact, and uh, I thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl, and the Dirty Birds down there in Atlanta, you know, came and beat them, but, 
They Barry had, Anderson shanked it. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like, you know, uh, Randall Cunningham could just drop back and just throw it far as he could, and either Moss Carter or Jake Reed, somebody was going to run up on it and catch it. So um, that that was a pretty good team. I don't have the stats on it, but I remember that was, that was a very good uh, Minnesota Vikings team. And, Brian, I'm sure you can tell me, uh, wasn't Robert, Robert Smith at running back on that team? Yeah. Robert Smith, yeah, he was a running That's back. Hard. Great running one, back. One little thing I'll throw in was we all knew the Randall Cunningham before that that was a, you know, a runner, uh, you know, a, a guy who um, had mobility with the Eagles. But then after his injuries, he no longer really had the mobility. And that's what really made that Vikings team remarkable because Cunningham had to do it all with his arm and, and with his wits. And uh, that, that was a really good offense. All right, so let's move into our vote. Uh, our options are the 2007 Patriots, the 1994 49ers, the 2000 Rams, and the 2013 Broncos. Kevin, who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to have to go uh, with the 2013 Broncos. That that passing game, all those wide receivers, 55 touchdowns. I mean, that downfield threat. Um Welker was one of the best slot receivers, you know, to play uh, the game that I can remember. I mean, he would always get open in the slot. So I'm going with I'm going with the Broncos. Okay, Brian. Ah, uh, well, yeah, I can't go with the Broncos. So I'll go with um, I'll go with the Patriots. Um, that when when Randy Moss showed up there, man, did that change everything? They all of a sudden had this deep threat. Welker was able to sit down there on the on the checkdowns and the, the short yardage stuff. Man, they were just – I mean, Brady just had a, a, a dream season that year. Okay. Brett? Man, this is getting difficult. Yeah, I can't go with the Patriots either. Uh, Mike, uh, we're going to be really leaving this up to you last two to really choose here because I'm actually going to go with the 94 49ers um, just because, uh, I, of course, Jerry Rice, greatest ever play at that position. You know, Steve Young throwing the ball, what they did. And, again, I'm – uh, not that I don't like the league now as far as the speed and how many points are scored, but I'm still I, – I love the old school. Uh, you know, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers won with just a bruising defense. Um, and so I like the physicality back then, and I think what they did in the league that year uh, to me was impressive. So I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going with the, the Patriots. You know, Tom Brady – He's the GOAT, you know. I mean, all these are Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but I think uh, Brady in, in 07 was just the best quarterback in the game. I think he was even better than Manning back then. And when you when you gave him weapons, we saw how good he was with weapons. You know, he didn't have weapons last year in, in New England. Comes to Tampa, has weapons this year. Guy's thrown all over again. You know, so – He's just an amazing quarterback, and, and I love their rotation at running backs, um, you know, how they how they played them in and out. And, and you had one that was – you got your blocker, you got your runner, you got your, your third down back, you know, the one who's going to make the catch. You know, so just a all-around very good offense. And, and obviously, Welker was in there too. So, Richmond, on you. Who are you taking? You know what? It's just uh, – man, you could – pick any one of them and and um, you, you wouldn't really be wrong but I'm, I'm old school like Brett and uh, I'm gonna go with 
you know, those guys, I was in the league. So I'm going to go with the, with the 49ers, with Steve Young and Rice and uh, Ricky Waters, that, that group there. Um, uh, like I said, all of them, I, I mean, I wish you could kind of match him up and play. You know, I'm sure he's going probably about 120 points going against each other. But, um, like I said, it, it, I mean, y'all picked four really good offenses that it's, you, you could make an argument anyway, but um, I'm going to just go old school and I'm going to go with uh, the, the 49ers. So there you go. We got one for the Broncos, two for the 49ers, and two for the Patriots. Yeah, so can another, I make a comment? Another show that technically doesn't have a win. <laughs> go ahead, Kevin. I, I think uh, by uh, default, there should be an asterisk next to the Patriots Spygate 2007. <laughs> so the 49ers should win. <laughs> Had to bring out the dirt, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. there, there you go. Uh, Kevin always bringing out the dirt. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move into our, our Q&A here with Richmond. We'll ask him some questions about his career. Um, Brian, go ahead and start us out. Richmond, I, when, when I look at your, uh, your resume, so to speak, seven Pro Bowls, uh, four-time All-Pro selection, uh, 1990s All-Decade team. When I look at all these accolades, I, I personally think Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, have you ever given any thought to that? Do you, do you think that you deserve it? Yeah, uh, you know, that's a great question. You know, I get asked that question a lot. And uh, like someone alluded earlier, I think I'll get in there. But, 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 you know, some get right in, but sometimes it just take, takes time to get in there. And, you know, what I, I let people know is, um, you know, I'm not the only guy that's waiting in there. Um, you look at the guys that's, you know, on the list that hadn't made it in, um, just like these four offenses, there's some great guys that had great careers that, you know, they can only, when they're only putting six, seven guys in time, um, you know, it's going to – some guys will get in immediately and some will take a while. But I think I got a legitimate shot, and I think I'll eventually make it in there. Okay. So, Richmond, I got a kind of a uh... – off the wall question for you here. Uh, take you back to 1995. Oh, okay. So you, you're in a car oh, crash okay. with your truck, and your truck is totaled, and somehow you only walk out with a bruised knee and a cut lip. <laughs> Fill me in on that. <laughs> Man, this guy. You know, I was headed to work. I was headed to practice, and um, I was driving. I guess I was heading north. And um, I was the street kind of bend around where it had a little bow or a curve in it. So it was an older gentleman driving like a, a white panel work, work van. And all of a sudden, he just started easing out. And then he he stopped. And then I, I changed lanes from like it was lanes. So I went all the way to the left. But he stopped, started back, stopped, started back. So I was trying to miss him, but it was just too late. So I hit him and... Ended up totaling my truck, and uh, uh, you know, Coach, you wanted me to practice and stuff. But you know, he sent me to sent me to get checked out, make sure everything was okay. But uh, I think we played Buffalo that weekend. I ended up, uh, I had a little bruised knee, and the lip wasn't no big deal. I might have got a stitch to it, and, and uh, was just fortunate I was able to play. But it, it could have really been worse. And man, I don't know where you pull that up at, but man. <laughs> 
you've dug deep in the archives for that one now because I was like, wait a minute, but uh, yeah, I told him my truck and stuff, but, but thank God, you know, it wasn't nothing serious. And um, I stayed and made sure the ambulance and got that guy situated. It was just, it was unfortunate, but everybody came out all right. That was the main thing. But yeah, you, you, that's definitely off the wall. I, I hadn't heard that story. That's the first time I heard that, I think, in an interview. That's pretty good. Well, I, I read that somebody, uh, like, you had to call the team to come pick you up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I caught the guy, uh, Stu Weinstein, was um, he was a guy he had worked, he was security for, for years. And uh, that, that was who you, if anything happened, that was the first guy you called. And, you know, back then, you know, we played, the last thing you want to do is be late. And I knew I was going to, I think, I think I was more worried about being late and possibly getting fined rather than like, am I okay? You know what I'm saying? So I was trying to call, I was like, Stu, this is what happened. You know, I won't make it up. And he said, well, I'm gonna come down. And he did come down, check on and make sure everything was all right. So, you know, Dolphins first class organization, but yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> you took me back on that one, bro. All right, Brett, go ahead. All right, Richmond. Um, in obviously 1990, you were selected ninth overall. And my question kind of just goes a little deeper into draft day, draft night, whatever you want to call it. What are the feelings leading up to that and then being selected, you know, in uh, the top 10 picks of that draft? What, what's the feelings and how did everything go that night or day? Well, the draft has changed. I mean, it's a, a Broadway show compared to what I went through back in 1990. Um, what I remember the draft was on Sunday, Sunday morning. And I think they did, I can't remember how many, it was 12 rounds back then, but the first day was Sunday, the next day was Monday. But, um, I can remember getting up early that morning and, uh, it was, uh, Chris Berman, Tom Jackson, I believe Mike Dicker was, that, I believe Thiesman was on there. And, uh, uh, of course, Mel Kuyper. So that, that was the, the analyst on, on the thing. But I remember the Dolphins. I want to say the Raiders called me. And um, I want to say the Saints. And everybody said, um, uh, if, you go, if you're there, we're going to take you, you know, when the pick comes. So I think the Dolphins had the first pick. And, uh, man, the draft started. And uh, uh, I think Jeff George was the first guy, and then it took Blair Thomas. He was a running back out of Penn State. And then uh, my good friend Cortez Kennedy was the third pick. Um, who was the fourth pick? Fifth, uh, fourth pick was Keith McCants. He went to Tampa Bay uh, out of Alabama linebacker. Um, fifth pick was Junior Sal. And I, I knew it was a possibility I might – I thought at one time early on I was going to go to San Diego, but um, when he announced he was coming out, I stopped hearing about San Diego, so that's probably not going to happen. So after that, um, the analysts started, and they said, I think the Bears had the next pick, and they was like, um, oh, they could use a lineman. They might take Richmond Webb, this and that. And so you wait, and then it took Mark Carey, a, a defensive back out of uh, USC. So then this, the seventh pick was um, Andre Ware. I played against him from U of H. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. They, won, they ran the, the run and shoot. And so the eighth pick was um, Chris Singleton. They, back then it was like 15 minutes in between each pick, and each team took up 
the 15 minutes. So you, you, you're really nervous because your name just keeps coming up and then they take somebody else and they took um, Chris Singleton. And as soon as they took him, my phone rang. And I was at home in Dallas with my, at my parents' house. My brother and sister was there and I'm just watching it because um, I didn't want to go to New York. It was a few guys went back then, but I, I always remember like sometimes it would always be somebody slide on draft day and the cameras would just just focus on that guy. And I'm like, that's the time, you know, I was like, if I slide, I do not want to be there. I could just be at home. And I had a couple of cameras there uh, from local, local, uh, I think maybe NBC or somebody, it was local uh, news media from Dallas. But um, as soon as they took Chris Singleton, my phone rang and it was Coach Shula. He said, hey, you ready to be a dolphin? I said, yes, sir. So, man, I could breathe. You know, your heart be right. It's almost like if you're, and I've heard this from people that like hunt, and say you see a 10 or 12 point, point um, big buck or something, you feel, the, they say the adrenaline. So, man, my heart was racing, but I started to calm down, but I still had to wait 15 minutes before they announced the pick. I was just sitting there and he was like, we're going to take you this and that, but once that was over, I could breathe, man. But before that, I was a nervous wreck, bro. Because, you know, people tell you that, but you, you, until it really happens, you just wait and hope it happens. Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I saw that you uh, had actually set some team records for the Dolphins. You started 118 games in a row and made seven consecutive uh, Pro Bowls. That's pretty impressive. Um, and I saw your rookie year, uh, you played every snap your rookie year. Um, and you, you faced a lot of big uh, defensive ends and, and linebackers, uh, such as uh, Bruce Smith. So uh, just out of curiosity, like when you got up to that line, who was like the most uh, defensive person that you were like kind of, I mean, not I don't want to say you were scared, but yeah. like which one were you like worried about going up against the most out of all the ones you played? You know, it, it was a lot. Um... Definitely Bruce Smith. Um, we played the Eagles that year, but thank goodness Reggie was on the other side. But um, I think Jerome Brown was over Keith Sims and Clyde Simmons. He was he was he was a really good pass rusher. Um, but probably didn't get the credit because that, that D line was just so great. Uh, played against Chris Dolman, you know, I had heard against him, and then of course. I think the third game I played against the Giants and they had LT, so everybody knew who else. So it's like, it, it, it was it was wild, cause it's like, you see these guys on TV, you know, watch them this and that, and the next thing you know, this guy is lining up and you can't hear, and this guy is trying to come kill your quarterback. So um, that was cool. I think the coolest thing though was, when I made the Pro Bowl and I actually got to talk to those guys over there in Hawaii, that 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 one was cool because it's like, man, I'm over here with all these. You know, I was there, but I was like just happy to be around all them because I'm like, man, y'all y'all been doing this for a while. So that 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 made that I think that was it. But uh, it seemed like every week, bro, it, it was if it wasn't one guy, it was another one, and you know. But uh, I survived. That's all I can tell you. I made it through it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian. Well, I'm sadly back in back in May. Um, you know, your coach Don Shula, he passed away. Um, can you tell us what Don Shula, what he meant to you, and, and what kind of a coach, what kind of a man he was? 
Oh, yeah. You know, that's that's the sad thing. And, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way. But, um, you know, with COVID, we, we really wasn't able to, you know, give him honor that he really deserved by going to the services. And so, you know, that that really, you know, that hurt me because, you know, you, you want to go pay respects when the guys give him so much. But, you know, he was more than a coach. Um, he's philanthropist. Um, big part of, you know, molding me into the man that I am today. Um, you know, Coach Shula, he always stressed giving back to people that was less fortunate than us. So when I got to the when I got in the NFL, that was what we did. You know, whether it was real big with United Way, you know, community service, this and that. And then um, it just taught discipline and some of the stuff he taught in coaching, you know, even after he got out of coaching, he started opening up um, the steakhouses, restaurants and stuff like that. So he was successful and able to transition from being, you know, probably the greatest coach in the NFL to, you know, going into another business and being successful. But it was the same principles and techniques that he had used all his life. And then some of those were instilled in me and, and I reflect back on them and, and they're in me. So I, I use them today. So um, just learn so much form from him. But yeah, that's that's the thing that really hurts is that wasn't able to go and honor him. And I, I know I'm not the only one, but it's so many people that lost loved, loved ones during this time that you can't go back and, you know, celebrate them like, like you can or give them the honor that you feel that, that they're doing. Brett. Um, so uh, I guess I know it's going to be hard to kind of pick one, but I, I would like to know what is probably one of the biggest life lessons. Like if you had to tell young athletes that are coming up right now you know, in football or really any, any sport, what's one of the biggest life lessons you learned going through your career? Oh, uh, biggest one, and, and I learned it early on, and it just stuck with me. And it was actually from um, Marino. And uh, we were talking, I think we had lost in the playoffs my rookie year, and we were, you know, flying back. I think we lost, we was in Buffalo. And uh, we were flying back, and, you know, guys like, oh, we're, you know, we'll be back here next year, this and that. And he was like, he said, man, he said, I went to – the, um, the Super Bowl my rookie year loss and he said you know I'll be back here next year he said it's been like eight years I hadn't made it back so he said whenever you get that opportunity you got to make the most of it because you're not guaranteed to ever get back and that stuck with me because I think when you're young a lot of times you just don't think about that you say oh we, we were close we lost but we'll be back next year and it was time we had really good teams early on and then a bunch of injuries with hitting key positions and just, you know, knocked us out to playoffs. So mm -hmm. the thing I would do is if you get there, make sure you leave everything on the line and, and make sure you prepare and, and know your assignments and stuff like that and, and try to have the best game possible because it's not guaranteed that you ever get that opportunity again. And, you know, Marino got it one time, but I never got that opportunity. So, that's one thing that always stuck with me. Say, hey, man, when you get there, don't take it for granted. Kevin. So I kind of wanted to know, um, you know, college games, they seem to be pretty um, 
uh, more exciting uh, camaraderie, you know, in the, in the stadium and whatnot. Can you just tell us kind of like the difference between the atmospheres, between the college football going going to NFL football? Yeah, for me, um, um, like I think it's in college, it's to the, the traditions, this and that. You got the band, um, people tailgate in um, in both of them. But I, I think the college experience is just um, different. The, the thing that that made it real for me was, you know, in college, you know, you got guys on scholarship, this and that. You got eighty guys. Well. My, my, my rookie year, you go to camp back then with like 80 guys and then um, you got to cut down to 53. So next thing you know, you might walk in there and somebody's name tag has been removed or, or whatever. And you like, it kind of lets you know, man, this is a business. If you don't take it for serious, just like they move that guy's name tag, if you don't produce, um, you know, you could be gone. It's, it's When they say it's not for long, it's not for long. So... That was the big thing. And then in the NFL games, uh, uh, they don't have the band. You know, they have cheerleaders, but I think I just remember the traditions. And it was a school big on tradition. So the band would play and it just seemed like they would hype us up and stuff. But in the NFL, you, you got to be, you just got to be ready to go. But uh, I, I like the college game too. I like NFL, but I do, I, I do like that about the college game. It just seemed like it's more fun. People, interacting this and that and, and all that. So, yeah, it is different. We'll get you out of here with this question tonight. Um, this is a two-part question. Okay. So, um, first part, what was it like transitioning from Dan Marino out of, you know, when he retired out of quarterback? I'm sure that was a big transition for the team. And then can you just tell us a little bit about your cousin, Jamarcus? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the biggest transition uh, – really came was not so much Dan's last year, but when Jimmy Johnson came in and he was truly focused on having more of a balanced attack and, and establishing the running game. So um, the biggest thing was when, when I first got there, Marino was kind of like paid man, you know, he could check off, you know, if he seen something, he could do it where a lot of that was taken away from him when, when Jimmy got there, cause he really wanted to focus on getting the running game going. But um, the biggest thing was um, we still um, we still I think we won a division after Dan left. But it was different. We had Jay Fiedler, and he didn't have the arm that Marino had, but he was mobile. So we did some different things, and we were successful. And I think at that time our defense was really really strong. We had you know Sam Madison, Sertain on the corners, you know Zach, Darrell Gardner, and um, Tim Bowens in the middle, you know, the big tackles. We had JT, Jason Taylor, and uh, Trace Armstrong was the other guy, and then uh, Brock Marion. Uh, so the defense was really, really good. And, you know, we just had to manage it right. And, and that's, I think we ended up going 11 and 5 a year. Um, and then part two was Jamarcus. You know, I found out we were cousins. Um, right before he went into the NFL. And the way I found out was I actually knew his agent that um, that was representing him, that well, still represents him. And so um, they said, yeah, um, we met this kid. His last name is Webb. And um, I said, really? And I said, what's it, uh, Jamarcus Webb? I said, no, nah, because I had never met him anything. And 
the, the way I would find out <laughs> is I said, okay, who is his dad or who is his granddad? Because um, uh, my parents come from East Texas, a little small town in East Texas. So that's where everything kind of branches out from there. And uh, when he told me his granddad's name and I called my dad and I said, hey, are we related to so-and-so? You know so-and-so? And he was like, yeah. And I said, okay. So I called him back and said, yeah, we're cousins. So I found out maybe right before he went in the, in the NFL that, that, that we were hanging around for a little bit. So you, I'm just happy he's uh, he's did that. And I just told him, hey, man, be smart with your money, this and that. But he's had he's had a pretty long career. So I said, hey, man, just ride it as long as you can ride it. I said, because it goes a lot faster than what you really think. I said, before I knew it, I was at 10 years. I was like, man, where'd the time go? But uh, yeah. I told him just, yeah. Well, thank you, Richmond, for joining us tonight. If anybody is out there watching this that is involved in the NFL Hall of Fame voting, this guy is a Hall of Famer, okay? Seven Pro Bowls, you know, all the 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 first team all pros, the second team all pros. I don't even know why this is a conversation. Put this man in the Hall of Fame, okay? This guy belongs in there. But <laughs> thank you so much for joining us tonight. So it's, it's always good to, to hear, you know, hear the old war stories and stuff like that. We appreciate you answering our questions. We'll remind everybody to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and make sure you join the Facebook group page. And uh, we'll be back with more shows in the future. So thank you and good night. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, I appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks so much, Rich. My personal thank you.